Hey guys, this is Phil. Welcome to the Vision Podcast. This past Sunday, we talked about covenant. And it was pretty fresh on my mind because my daughter just got married this last week. And so um, the Lord just really began to drop some things in my heart on covenant. And so uh, so I just encourage you always, and I know I do this uh, pretty much on a regular basis, but man, just press in, in your heart and posture your heart to hear from heaven. And I know God's going to talk to you about some things, whether I said it or not in the message. Um, I know God will speak to your heart. So enjoy the podcast. Wow, so how's everybody doing? Would you like to see some pictures from Phoenix? <laughs> <We're> gonna... <laughs> I didn't hear a single no in that. Um, well, I want to show you some uh, pictures, man. We, we just had a great time. Our daughter and now son-in-law, son-in-love, wanted us to go on their honeymoon with them to Phoenix, and they wanted to get married there um, in the Phoenix area. And so I'm going to show you a few pictures. Wow, this, I've got to get out of the way on this one. Uh, this is, Nicole's dad was able to uh, do the wedding for us. He lives there in Phoenix. And uh, it's just immediate family. So there's Nicole and I and Zach and Gma on this side and then Joshua's family over on this side. Now let's go to the next one. Yeah, there they are. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were married at the prayer pavilion um, at what used to be Phoenix First Assembly. Pastor Tommy Barnett started the church there. Now his son has taken over and it's called Dream City Church uh, right there. And, and this pavilion is built. Go ahead and show the next picture there. Oh my word! Um, and yeah, and so, but the the pavilion is like an architectural. It's been in architecture magazines because it's a pretty. It's a phenomenal place. Um, yeah, especially that girl on the right. Man, come on, come on. Next one. Yeah, Josh and his mom, Mama Calm. Yeah, but you can see the mountain. Go back to that last one just for a second. See the mountain up there? So this is where it sits. So they're actually standing on AstroTurf here. Uh, but then it goes because you're in the desert. You, know, you don't want to grow grass. You avoid grass as much as you can. But the mountain goes up. And then the next picture is the other side, the cross that they have behind. And you can see the prayer pavilion kind of to the right in the middle of this beautiful lady. Oh, my word. Yeah. Little PDA going on, okay? Let's, you, got next, something, you got another one? Or is that all of them? Okay. Um, so, but anyway, on this mountain, you know, being there at the wedding just really caused me to think about the word covenant. The word covenant and the weightiness that there is to that word. That's a very sober word. It's a very... Um, Man, weighty is like one of the best words I know to describe that word, covenant. And anyway, and so as the, as the ceremony is going on, and my father-in-law just did a great job. I mean, of course, he's been in ministry um, many, many, many years. And anyway, and he's, here he's, he's sharing, and, and, and he's going through the ceremony. And I keep, keep hearing, because we're facing um, toward the east, and here toward the north is the mountain, and I keep hearing the chatter of a woman praying. 
up on the mountain and she's loud. I mean, I, you know, I can hear her and I can hear her. Now she's a native African, so I don't know if she's praying in tongues or her native language. I can't tell uh, on it, but she is praying so loud and she's up here. And I even looked over twice, a couple of different times, just to make sure that's the lady praying and that something else isn't going on up there. Well, anyway, so my father-in-law is doing the ceremony and and he says, now the bride and the groom, they would like to share their vows with one another. And so Becca wrote out these vows and she had printed them off and she did her vows that were just, you know. And so she got done with her vows. And then Josh said, if it's all right with everybody, I wanna pray my vows. And by this time, I can hear this woman up here, Sha-la-la-la-la-ba-sa-ta. I mean, she is just like, and I'm going, well, psh, yeah, join in, man. She's, she's going already. And he goes, God, and let me tell you, oh my word, when he started to pray his vows, the presence of God just fell on the mountain. And I just, man, I just sat there. I just went, man, God, thank you. Thank you for a son in love that's in love with you. Man, and man, he just, and the presence just dropped right there. And we were just, you know, just sitting there. And this woman is still screaming, but now you can't hear her because of what God is doing here. And the vows that he made, because covenant, that's what covenant is, is it's vows. It's one side vowing what they're going to do and the other side vowing what they will do in return, which constitutes covenant. And so, you know, we go down to the car and, um, and you know, it's parked for them and they're, they're getting ready to leave, Josh and Becca. And so they're hugging everybody. And then Josh gives me a hug and he says, today is about, two families coming together. I just went, man, yeah, you know, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that, <clears throat> that the two are no longer one. I mean, the two are no longer two, but they've come together and they become one. See, in a covenant, there's two sides to the covenant, Right? And so these two families that come together, you know, the Calm family, the Johnson family, is what we are doing is we are coming together and we are committing to one another that we are going to help this marriage. That we're going to speak only good things over this marriage. Because what God has joined together, let not man separate. It didn't say anything about the devil or hell or Satan, did he? He said, what God has joined together, let not man separate. How does man separate? By yeah, yan? By murmuring, complaining? I knew you shouldn't have. Really? Man, it's about these two families coming together because when you have unity, you have a strong covenant. So I've got a few things I want to share on my heart this morning about covenant. Man, if you have your Bible, I need you to turn over. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm thinking I was going to have you go one place, but I'm going to have you go to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Woo! And so we're getting ready. Oh, man, let me tell you. So I came, you know, we came home. We made the trip home and uh, turned in the vehicle, went to the airport, sat in the airport, you know, after you get through TSA. And uh, I think they're going to end the mass thing around mid-April from what I heard. But anyway, a side note. But uh, you know, so we're, you know, we're at the airport and then we get on the plane and we have a two-hour flight, but it's even longer because the time's changing. Technically, I'm teasing. It's a red eye. You know, you're going east. But anyway, and so we're losing all this time. Anyway, but then we get home and we get in the car and we have another hour and a half drive because we flew into Tulsa. And so, we're, you know, we're driving in the vehicle. And I think in the vehicle on the drive back, it really just starts the reality of, of, you know, the fact that Becca's marriage starts really settling in. So, so we drive home and we finally make it home. We make it into the garage and we walk into, walk into the house, walk into my bedroom. And of course, Becca's dog is there with us, Freddie. He's like a, he was supposed to be a miniature doodle. He's 92 pounds, if you want to call that miniature. But anyway, you know, so say hi to Freddie, you know, and walk past Becca's room what used to be a room, <laughs> into my room. And then Nicole goes, you know, I'm going to take Oliver for a walk. And so she, you know, puts the lead on Oliver and she takes off and there I am. And Zach, I, I walk into the kitchen and, and Zach goes outside to meet a friend that had come over. And now I'm in the house alone. And now I'm sitting here going, and I, and I walk by her bedroom again. And I go, oh. I just, you know, the emotion, there's so many emotions this last week, you know, because here's the cool thing is that you know that it, it, it was God's will. It was right. So right. But that doesn't mean that emotions don't come with it, you know? And so I'm telling you this for a reason, okay? So I see her bedroom and I just, man, I begin to get choked up because I haven't been home yet. And so I got to walk out of the house, man. I can't be in this house alone right now. And so I go out of the house and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He said, you know how you're feeling right now? Yeah. He said, that's how I feel in the book of Hosea about my church. He said, but the difference is you're going to see Becca Friday. He said, that's how I feel because he said, I made a covenant with my family. We are the bride of Christ. Christ is the bridegroom. So we've made a covenant with him. And so everybody expects Jesus to keep his covenant, right? Oh yeah, God's gonna keep his covenant. What, what are we doing with our end? How's our covenant looking? With him. So, so I was reminded of uh, I was thinking about different revivals that have taken place. And there's a, there's a key ingredient to every revival that I've studied and that I've read about. And, and in those key ingredients, I think, I think this is one of the things that, that um, says it probably the best. So when I was thinking about the Welsh revival 
And how many of you know who Evan Roberts is? If you've studied the Welsh Revival, you'll learn about a guy named Evan Roberts because he was the one. Evan, it's really interesting what Evan did because for more than a decade, he prayed for his nation. He prayed for the nation of Wales, that there would be a move of God. He prayed for the salvation of, of the people of that nation. And so he, he prays for this, and this is his commitment you know, when he could have been playing ball, when he could have been out with his, with his friends, when he could have been swimming in the river, he's not. He's spending time in prayer, praying over the nation. And I'm telling you this for a reason, because, all right, let me go a little further. I'll come, I'll come back to that. So, you know, we had Dan a couple of weeks ago, and I shared last week some of the things I learned from Dan. One of the things that he showed me was I was asking him about you know, his study time. And what, what are some effective ways that you've learned to read the Bible to where it just really sticks in you? And he said, he said you know, I like to watch the, um, it's called the Matthew Video Bible. Some of you have ever seen the Matthew Video Bible? It's actually out on YouTube. Some of you have. It's out on YouTube, and, and you can actually find it. They have some different titles for it on YouTube. I think one is the, the, uh, the Bible according to Matthew or the Gospel according to Matthew or whatever. And, but the cool thing about it, though, is it's the Bible verbatim. And I don't know when it was done. I, you know, I'm going to guess in the early 80s. But for the year that it was done, it's really good quality. But the thing that Dan likes about it is that it's the Bible verbatim. It's like they're reading it, but they're acting it out. Anyway, so, sorry, long story there. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to get back on the highway now. Um, so I'm, I'm watching that, and the story of the centurion happens. At the time I'm watching it, the centurion comes, and the centurion comes to Jesus, and he says, he says, Lord, if you could, he said, you could heal my servant. Would you please heal my servant? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll come with you. And he says, no, 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 I, I don't want you to come to my house because I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. He said, but I understand authority. I understand how it works. He said, because I have people under me. I, I speak to my so other soldiers and, and tell them what to do and they go and do it. And then I speak to my servant, tell them what to do. They go and they do it. So I understand how this authority thing works. If you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus is astounded. But what's standing out to me in this story and how it relates to Evan Roberts, because I know I jumped around there for a moment, and I didn't forget about Evan, is that he's coming for his servant. Evan is praying on behalf of a nation. The centurion is not coming for his wife, for his children, for someone who's extremely close to him and his family, but he's coming for his servant. And he's asking Jesus to heal him. And that's what Evan did. Evan prayed that God would move in his nation. He began to pray for his nation. Do we, when we have issues with people in leadership and government, whether it be our boss, whether it be somebody that, that we serve under, do we pray for them? I mean, if I, if I do something that bothers you or that you feel is maybe on, on, uh, heretical or something, do you pray for me? Or do you just go and yeah, yeah about it? Go to the phone, 
talk to somebody. I, I know I'm. I know I'm. I don't, I'm not trying to be hard, but I, what I'm the message I'm trying to get across is that. That's not love, criticizing people. It's not love to criticize what people do. It is love to, that if I'm doing something wrong, man, I would love for you to pray for me. I would love for you to lift me up before God so that God can move in my life so that I can do things differently. So that area of my life could be fixed. Is that making sense? All right, so let me jump back again. Sorry, I know I'm jumping around here, but I'm gonna jump back again to the key elements of revival, one of the key elements of revival, because Evan Roberts, as he was praying, God, he, he tried to go to school, and he didn't do very well at school because he was so drawn by the Spirit to pray and to seek God, and he, he even wrote a letter to his sister and said, I'm having a difficult time trying to study because you know I just, I, I'm drawn in the Spirit to God's presence and I, and I just want to pray. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I want you to go back to your hometown and I want you to speak this to the young people. He gave him four points. I want to give those to you. He said this, he said, number one, and these, these are like the, these are the key elements to me for revival. Because how many of you know revival starts in us first? Starts in an individual first. It doesn't become this until it first becomes this, right? And so he said this, he said, number one, these were the things that he said to these young people, confess any known sin and put any wrong done to man right. Meaning confess your sin and then if you have anything against someone, go and ask them to forgive you. Go and set things right with other people. Get your heart right first and then set things right with other people. He said, secondly, you have to put away anything, any dark, full habit. Anything in your life that is pulling you away from God, we need to get rid of that. Cut that off so that we can have all him. Amen. Thirdly, he said, obey the Holy Spirit promptly. I heard one minister say it this way, that delayed obedience is disobedience. Number four, he said, confess your faith publicly. Be all out in the open. See, God didn't call us to be undercover Christians. I'm just going to be 007, man. I'm just going to, hey, got something for you. No, he's, what did he call us? He called us a light. What does a light do? It illuminates. It, it illuminates everything that's dark. Sheds light on it. Okay. So, are you there in Genesis chapter 12? So I want to give you, in thinking about covenant, I want to give you a few things that the Lord was dealing with me on about covenant, that, that the covenant that he made with Abraham. I know there's other covenants throughout the Bible, uh, but that's the one that I want to focus on is the, the Abrahamic covenant. Um, and just in these three things. So in Genesis chapter 12, there were three things that God did in this covenant with Abraham. He changed three things about Abraham. The first thing that he changed was he changed his address, his home, where he lived. In Genesis chapter 12, look at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out from your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So he tells him to leave what he knows, to leave who he's been with, the people that he knows, so God can put him and position him in his purpose. 
Many times we have to get, God needs to get us away from what we know so that we will begin to rely on him and stand in faith. He needs to put us in a place. You know, I, 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 there were so many ironies of, of taking Rebecca and Josh to Phoenix and watching them get married in Phoenix because I was married in Phoenix. Nicole and I were married in Tempe. And I moved out there and I just had, I just had a, barely had a job uh, when I got there. They hired me over the phone and I moved there, but this is my first time living away from home. I'd grown up and been born and raised in Tulsa all of my life, and that was where I was born and raised. And so now here I, here I am in Phoenix, and I've got my first apartment, and I feel just this weight of responsibility. But God did so many great things in my life in Phoenix because I was away from what I knew. See, here, I'm not trying to drive you away. I'm not asking you to move. Here's, here's the point in it, is that we should pray and ask God where we should be. We should listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You should be in this church because God brought you here. Some people decide whether or not they're going to church on, on so many different things. I mean, it, it could be based on gas prices. Well, let me tell you, let me give you a word. Gas prices are not a leading. It's not. Yeah, that's a big amen right there. That, that is not a leading. Well, wait, no, I come to the, I go to this church because they have a great children's program. Or I go to this church because they have amazing worship. Or I go to this church because I just enjoy, all of my friends are there. Your friends are not a leading. Because I, I, when I hear all these things, I wonder, did you pray? When we used to travel on the road, we traveled for five years and, and we were coast to coast, top to bottom, corner to corner. We were all over the United States. And so we got asked frequently in different places that we would go, um, Phil, if you could live anywhere in the United States, where would you want to live? Because they figure you've traveled, you've seen a lot, you know, where, and, and God gave me an answer for that. I was not quick on my feet the first time I was asked that, but I got quick, pretty quick. And, and I said, God, help me answer this question. And so, so he did. And the next time I was asked, I said, let me tell you, I found the perfect place to go and live. And it's beautiful. And you know where it is? It's in the center of God's will. Now, when the people respond this way, well, yeah, 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 I know that. I can tell already. They don't value where he wants them to live. Why? Because they're like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know that. I know that. But where would you want to live? No, 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 you don't get it. In the center of his will. Why? Because that's where the blessing is. That's where his purpose is. That's where his plan is for my life. Why do you think I'm here? In Arkansas. Go hogs, yeah. I, I didn't know much about Arkansas. I used to make it the end of all my jokes I told. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was wrong. Now, I have, now I've had to switch to some other obscure state. But I, I'm just saying, I did. I, 
And, and then God brings me here. But I prayed about it and I knew he was calling me here. I knew, I, I, I can't explain it. It didn't happen the way I thought it was gonna happen. It didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, but now it looks better than it did. Yeah, that's a big hallelujah, it really is. Because so many people don't ask God. One thing I loved, I was reading this morning in my, in my daily Bible reading about David. And David is at a place where he was in Ziklag and you remember Saul and his sons were killed in battle. And then, and then he found out about it. What does David do immediately when he finds out that Saul and his sons are dead and Israel is without a king? He said, Lord, should I go up from here to the land of Israel? And an amazing thing happened. God responded. He said, yes. He said, where should I go? That's a good question. And God said, Hebron. God told him where to go. Amazing. When you pray, God will answer. Isn't that amazing? But you may be sitting here going, but God, I've prayed. And I haven't heard an answer. Well, good. What do you mean good? I mean, stay where you are. Stay where you are doing what you're doing until God speaks. Too many times people just step out. We just, we're, we're quick. And then sometimes that will put us in a position of where we don't wanna be. Okay, I'm gonna get vulnerable with you. Are you ready? But before I do, man, I don't know why, but this is God, I feel like his spirit is just bugging me about this. There's somebody here, you have a desire in your heart to be married one day and your heart's kind of broken over it. I'm, I'm way off subject right now, but I just gotta obey. And, and it's bugging you. And you're, you're wondering if God will ever bring that person. And you're looking at it from a natural viewpoint. And I'm here to tell you that if you have the desire to be married, that's a good desire that God has put in your heart. And he will fulfill it. But do not limit God to your location. Be faithful where you are. Let me tell you, you're looking at a guy that God brought from a thousand miles away to Phoenix, Arizona through the mail, not even social media. I wrote my wife letters and we fell in love through the mail. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you right now. I'm telling you, this is a word from heaven and you, and you, you have brought yourself to such a place of worry that now you, it just, it, it's starting to try to consume you on the inside. And, and you need to set your heart to focus on him and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. A spouse is one of them. So I'm gonna pray for you right now. Let's pray, God, right now. I thank you that you're ministering to that person right where they're at. Lord, that you're giving them peace that passes understanding because their confidence is in you. Not in what it looks like, not in who's available, who's not. I mean, they haven't even met 1% of the population yet. They're out there. I thank you, Lord, that you have the right person. So I just thank you, Lord, for showing yourself faithful. And as they set their affections on you, you're bringing that to pass. I feel like that's a word for you. God's going to bring it to pass. 
it'll happen. Amen. Do you agree with that? Say amen. Okay. Wow. I got, I got off. I said I was going to be vulnerable with you. What was that about? <laughs> huh? Location. All right. Thanks, Zach. All of you can thank Zach later. Um, so, <clears throat> location. Nicole and I were the young adults pastors at Victory in Tulsa. And when we were the young adults pastors, we, man, we were loving life. Uh, we were living on bologna and crackers, but we were loving what we were doing because we were in the center of God's will. Hey, we never went without, okay? Every bill was paid, but just barely. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the extra was like, woohoo, I'm gonna go buy a stick of gum, you know? And uh, I gave my wife a dollar one time and said, you don't even have to account for that, babe. That's all yours right there. And yeah, I mean, that's, it was not easy. But anyway, but we were having the time of our life because, man, we're serving God. How many of you know, man, that's, man, that, anyway, it's so good. And so I'm just serving God and we're just loving what we're doing. And, and my old youth pastor came and spoke in our, in our uh, Christian college that we had. And when he saw me, he goes, Phil, how are you doing, you know? And we were, you know, we were reminiscing and, and just getting reacquainted. Well, I didn't know it, but he pastored a church down in Dallas at the time. And he goes, oh, Phil. He said, man, if you could see our church, it's amazing what God has done. You need to come and be our worship leader and be our youth pastor. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at. I, I'm just loving what God is doing in my life. And anyway, the short story is this. The money kept climbing and kept climbing and kept climbing until I said, you know, we might want to fly down there and just look at it. And I made a money-led decision. Now, I know I'm the only one, so learn from me. Learn from my mistake, okay? And I made a money-led decision, and we went down to Dallas. The best thing that happened in Dallas was we gave birth to Becca. Year to the day, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, pack your bags, you're leaving. And I said, where am I going? But I still didn't learn my lesson. I didn't wait for the answer. You know what I did? I said, I've always wanted to travel. We're gonna go travel and preach. I didn't even ask God. We just, we thought, man, that sounds good. We can go preach. And Nicole's dad had offered to get us some meetings. And, you know, we, and so we went and we tried to preach. Well, money got tight. And now we not only have Becca, we're pregnant with Zachary. In fact, when we left Dallas, Nicole, she teared up on me and she said, those people only knew me as pregnant. <laughs> I said, yeah, we'll send some skinny pictures later, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was true. But I mean, I, and I said, I, no, I'm going to go travel. We're going to go travel. And so I get a phone call. And it's Pastor Billy Joe Doherty in Tulsa. He says, Phil, 
He said, a little birdie told me that you're getting ready to leave Dallas. He said, would you please come back to Tulsa? And, and would you be our pastor over the 1030 service? At that time, he was doing three services. He was preaching at the Maybe Center and then coming over to Victory Building to the 1030. I think the first one started at nine, did the 1030, and then he had like an 1130 or something. Or 11, because I mean, it was all, it, you know, overlapped. And so many people came to the 1030 because, or I think it was the 10 o'clock, came to the 10 o'clock because, you know, there was a guaranteed end time. <laughs> you know, I don't know why, but that was the preferred service. And so he said, Phil, I need you to come and I need you to be the pastor and oversee that service for me. And, <clears throat> and I said, well, you know, Pastor Billy Joe, I don't know. I'm, I'm really feeling like I want to go travel and I really want to go preach the gospel. And he said, well, pray about it. He said, let me know your final. And I let him know my final, but let me tell you something. I went and prayed and everything was pulling me to victory or to, to go work for Billy Joe. But again, I made a self-centered decision. And we went and tried to travel, tried to preach. And you know what happened? Not very much. It was tough. Why? I was not in the center of God's will. And like I said, again, learn from my mistake. Don't, you know, I know I'm the one <laughs> that has done this. Learn from it. <clears throat> because once I aligned my life with his plan, blessing came. God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, for I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans, listen to how he phrases this. I know the plans that I have for you, meaning they're not your plans. Meaning you have good ideas, but I have plans. You have creative ways that you can do things, but let me tell you, I have the plan. You may wanna find out for me what the plan is. Why? Because the resource follows God's plan. The blessing follows his plan. It doesn't follow my smart idea, my creative invention, my... Hopefully this is ministering to some folks. Because I'm, I'm, off, I'm off subject here by a long shot. I, I mean, we got into changed our home. And let me tell you, <clears throat> this is so, so important. Don't do what I did. Because man, it was... You know, we started with nothing and we still had most of that left. A few months later, you know, I mean, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Dan was telling me, I, I asked him, he, well, he brought it up. He, he was talking about how when he travels with Todd, what that's like. And he was talking about how they were riding in the car one day. They had flown in somewhere and they got picked up together. Dan was in the backseat. Todd was in the front. And he said, he said, Todd kept leaning over looking at the guy's speed. He's doing 80 and a 65. And Todd said, how long are you going to sin? And the guy said, sin? He said, yeah, dude, you're doing 80 in a 65. And he, the guy didn't slow down apparently because Todd would say, Holy Spirit, it's okay. Hang on. I know you can't come in the car right now, but hold on out there. All right, where am I? All right, number one, 
God changed his home. Oh, you're going to go back and say, hey, you need to listen to this message. It's the most confusing message, but it's just amazing what God brought. <laughs> so he changed his home. Number two, God changed Abraham's identity. Look at chapter 17. In verse 5, it says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but it shall be called Abraham. Abram meant exalted father. Abraham meant father to many. Father to many. Wow. So think about that. So why did God change his name? Well, it gives us the answer in Romans chapter 4. It says this, that as it is written in verse 17, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that do not exist as though they did. So notice that God gives Abram a name that is in line with his purpose. Because sometimes we take that phrase that God calls things that be not as though they are and we take that formula and we try to use it over here. But if it's not in line with God's purpose, I don't think it's going to work well. Let me give you an example of that. You remember Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, before their names were changed, they were taken captive, these four Hebrew children, they were taken captive to Babylon. And what did, what did the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, have them do right away? Change their names. In fact, one of them, they gave a woman's name. Come back next week and tell me who that was. That would be just a homework assignment for you. A little trivia, Bible trivia. Which one got a girl's name? But they changed their names. They gave them a new language. What is he trying to do? He's calling things that be not as though he would like them to be. But that formula doesn't work in that setting. Why? Because these four children of Israel, they know who they are. And you can change their name all day long and change their language all day long, but if they know who they are, you can't change who they are. They know who they are. How do you know that, Phil? Well, Daniel was thrown in a lion's den, and the lions were hungry, and they didn't eat him. How do you know they were hungry? Because the people they threw in after they took Daniel out didn't even reach the bottom, and the lions were eating them. Could you imagine what it must have been like for that lion to sit there and look at meat and lick his lips and go, man, I would love to gnaw on that. Huh, what about the three, what about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? They're thrown in the fiery furnace. The guys that throw them in die because of the heat. And they come walking out of the fiery furnace when Nebuchadnezzar calls them and they don't even smell like smoke. Their hair's not even singed. Man, tell me that's not the blessing of God. So what's my point in this? Never argue with who God has said that you are. Don't argue. Amen? Rebecca, come help me. And the last one, last point. In God's covenant with Abraham, this is the last thing he changed. He changed his legacy. He changed his legacy. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah, 99. Sarah gets pregnant. Abraham, at Sarah's request, tried to make it happen another way. She gave him her servant, Hagar. Hagar got pregnant. She had Ishmael. 
Now, it's not Ishmael's fault, but Ishmael was not the promise. See, you and I are children of the promise, the promise that God made Abraham. He makes that promise to you and I. We're the seed of Abraham, right? And so, but Ishmael was not God's promise. His promise was for Sarah. He said, no, 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 Sarah will get pregnant. I know you had Ishmael, but my promise is to Isaac. And what did he do? Abraham believed God because this was God's plan and his purpose for Abraham. See, when we know what our plan and our purpose is, that God wants us, his plan and his purpose for our life, it's easier to stand in faith because you know what he's called you to do. It's easy for me to stand in faith for the warehouse. That wasn't my idea. That was God's idea. He made that whole thing happen where we have all these products and we're able to help families and bless families. People have asked me, how is that thing even financially running? Because we don't have any revenue generating part of that ministry. I said, oh, that's easy. It's God's. I said, God, your will, your bill. That, man, that's easy. That takes it totally off of my shoulders. So when I'm walking in union, in covenant with him, I have every right to say, God, I'm following your will. I'm keeping my end of the covenant. Your will, your bill. Man, doesn't that take pressure off of you? Because you're responsible to pay for your stuff. I've been down that row. Oh man. When I got married, my wife married, I married her and her two dogs and she married me and my dad. Yeah, that was, a, that was not good. So I wanna read to you Hebrews chapter six. Verse 13 says this in closing. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, everybody say patiently endured. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Patiently endured. Okay, go to Hebrews 10. I'm going to read it to you out of the NLT. Real quick. This is the last thing right here. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, look at verse 26. I was reading this last night. I didn't really have it in my notes, so i got to do it on my phone here. I want to read this scripture and then we're going to pray together. In verse 26, it says, for if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone 
who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, if I was to stop right there, it would be a pretty depressing morning, wouldn't it? But I wanna go on, I wanna read verse 32. Listen to what he says. He says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which is great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Isn't that good news? The first few verses I've read to you depressed you. But what God is calling us to do in here this morning is to come back to that illumination that we first received, recognizing that if you live unto Christ, persecution is gonna come. If you live unto Christ, you're gonna have opportunity to crucify your flesh over and over and over. You don't see it, but I'm dying up here many times this morning. And I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about to the will of the Father. He wants certain things said, and He wants me to reel back on other things. It's a, con it's a continual thing. Taking up our cross and dying is as we go. So I feel like God this morning wants to bring us back to our first love, the revelation. In the book of Revelations, it says, come back to your first love. Remember your first love. My wife and I, are, we're gonna celebrate 30 years, August 1st this year, super excited about the 3-0 and just what God has done in our marriage because we have fallen more and more in love with each other than we've ever been. I mean, intimacy, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to venture out into anything. I'm just saying the love that we have for each other is so much better. Why? When we hit our 10-year mark, that's not where we were. What needed to happen? We needed to come back to our first love. Because I don't know about you, I heard this guy say this, and I thought, oh, that's so true. He said, I've been married to many different women, but they've all been the same person. And I thought so many times, some of you caught that, but I feel like there's all the women that caught that one. But I think so many times that, that we, we pursue, we pursue that person. And this is why Hollywood, you'll never, you'll hardly ever see a movie in Hollywood about a family and about a successful marriage. 
Why? Because it's all about the chase. It's all about before you get married. And so I think we, we pursue until we catch and then we don't pursue anymore. And the best lesson that we can learn as men, come on, man, I'm helping you right now, is that, no, when you catch the first lady, there's another lady that you need to go and pursue and catch. There's the next one because she's gonna continue to change. It's like having a new woman in your life. I don't know if I can get, can I, thanks. Yeah, I can get away with that. All right, would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Lord, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so thankful. Father, we love you so much. We love you so much. Just begin to love on them right where you are. Just begin to tell them that in your own way. 